Amen. So we're singing that last verse which speaks of that day when we will look on Jesus in his glory face to face. I, I could not help but have Philippians chapter 3 come to mind where Paul writes about forgetting those things that lie behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He presses on. What, what, what a great song to remind us to press on today because if you are in Christ, that is our future. No need for a son because the Lord will literally be the light of heaven. I feel like we can pass the plate and go home now. But hey, I prepared a sermon, so let's, uh, let's have that instead. This morning, we actually, Lord willing, I reserve the right to cut this off at any point and finish next week. Uh, but the goal today is to finish our study of the book of Philippians. Uh, today, we find ourselves in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be working on primarily on verses 10 through 20. Uh, the verses 21 through 23 are Paul's benediction. I will read those, but the, the bulk of the focus this morning will be on verses 10 through 20. So let's read those. That is found on page 982 in the Bibles that are provided for you there in your rows. Uh, just a reminder, if you're visiting with us and you do not have your own copy of the Bible, uh, we encourage you to take a copy uh, that's provided there for you, those black Bibles, with you as our gift to you. Uh, while they are not Gideon Bibles, they are indeed uh, God's holy word, and we would encourage you to, uh, to take those as our gift to you with the condition that you read them. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. Excuse me. Yes, verse 10. Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To, God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you again for 
your love for us. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray for our time together as we hear your word proclaimed. Lord, that your spirit would move mightily among us. Lord, that you would convict where we need convicting, that you would comfort where we need comfort, that you would guide and encourage and you would build up your people. Lord, that we would not just grow in uh, our, our obedience to you, we pray for that, but Lord, even more that we would grow in our understanding of who you are, that you would reveal yourself even more clearly from your word, that we would see Christ today as your word is proclaimed. Bless us with the work of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, given the holiday that we just celebrated, it is entirely appropriate that we find ourselves here at the end of Philippians chapter 4 in our study. Now, I'm talking, of course, about World Television Day, which was a little over a week and a half ago. Now, I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are a lot of holidays in November. World Town Planning Day was November 8th. World Philosophy Day was the 14th. November 16th was the International Day for Tolerance. And, and who could skip World Toilet Day on the 19th. I'm serious. <laughs> These are actual holidays. Holidays. In fact, yesterday, for you computer geeks, was International Computer Security Day. And you people must be exhausted from all that celebrating, right? Now, obviously, you know I'm talking about Thanksgiving. And honestly, as Christians, we should be among the most thankful people in the world. And not only that, we should be known for our thankfulness, right? Hopefully, as a part of your Thanksgiving traditions, one of the things that you do, either as a family or individually, is, is take time to, to, to chronicle in your own heart and mind the things that you are truly thankful for. And in our passage today, we, we see that, that gratitude, contentment, and generosity are all qualities that, that should mark the lives of every believer. But before we get there, we, we have visitors this morning, so, so a little context is in order. Again, if you're visiting with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, but it's our practice here at New Hope to, uh, on the whole, we, we tend to work through entire books of the Bible to, to keep things in context. And today, obviously, you, you can tell we've been in the book of Philippians. We've been in the book of Philippians for a few months now. And, and it has been a, a great time of being encouraged in our faith and also being challenged when it comes to our perspective. Now, if you know anything about the, Paul's letter to the Philippians, it's, also, it's often been referred to as the book or the letter of joy. And, and it's referred to that for good reason. 
In this letter, Paul, as he writes from prison, expresses his joy in God's sovereignty and work in the midst of Paul's circumstances. In chapter 2, we, we, we saw that, 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 that Paul very possibly could have died. He, he could either be released or he could be killed or, or even remain in prison. And, and his attitude was simple, to, to live as Christ and to die gain. But even more than, 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 than simply Paul talking about his, his joy in general or his joy and his confidence in God, we find Paul's expression being focused primarily on his joy in his union with Christ. And that's key because joy by itself, if we don't have it anchored to Christ, becomes something that is easily influenced by our circumstances. And, and the strength of, of, of Paul's encouragement and exhortation to the Philippians, even as he calls them time and again to, to follow his example, it's tied to his union with Christ. It's important that we keep that in mind as we wrap up this letter because I believe that even here in chapter 4, Paul is, is pointing, himself, pointing to himself as an example. Even as he rejoices in the generosity of the Philippians, he recognizes that this is all the work of God. It is God's provision for him, but it is also God's work of growth and grace in the lives of the Philippians as well. Brothers and sisters, it's important that we not lose sight of the fact that the greatest reality that defines our lives as Christians is the fact that we are one with Jesus through faith. It's the most important thing about you. You could, you could show up this morning and, and maybe you're wanting a, a TED talk or a, or, or, or a pep talk about how great you are. But, but what you need is to see who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what that makes true about you if your faith is in him. It is the most important truth about you. So as we consider these marks of what I would call spiritual maturity, gratitude, contentment, generosity, understand that this is the overflow of our union with Christ. So let's dive into the text. First of all, let's consider gratitude, what it means to rejoice in God's provision. Verse 10, Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Gratitude, we, we talk about it, we, we celebrated it on Thursday, but, but what is gratitude for the believer, what does that mean? Well, A.W. Tozer, you guys know I love my quotes, has a great quote concerning gratitude. He writes, Gratitude is an offering that is precious in the sight of God. And it is, a, one, an offering that the poorest of us can make and not be poorer, but richer for having made it. 
Think about that. Now, we all go through various seasons of life, and, and honestly, Paul is writing to a group of believers who, who were not particularly wealthy. And Paul certainly knew what it meant to, to, to have plenty, but also to go lacking. But there was never a lack of gratitude on his part. It, do, it doesn't matter how much money we have in our bank account. We have so much to be grateful to God for. And every time we take time to express that gratitude to God, but also to one another, it leaves us richer in our faith. It's a great quote. We are richer for having expressed our gratitude to God. Rejoicing in God's provision. First of all, keep in mind that it's been roughly 10 years since, that have passed since Paul wrote Philippians and when he founded the church in Philippi. And we see Paul refers to later in, in verse 16 that, that, that the Philippians had supported his ministry almost from the get-go. When he left uh, Philippi to go to Thessalonica, they were the ones who were supporting him. They, they were a church that, that, that recognized the, the need to support the gospel ministry. And here in verse 10, we find the Apostle Paul rejoicing in their faithfulness. Because even though they had not always had opportunities to support him financially, they had always remained concerned for his well-being. Paul says that he was rejoiced in the Lord greatly. The Greek word there is megalos, and, and it gives the, the, the picture of joy that is overflowing at the love and support that he had received from the Philippians. Paul's attitude, uh, his, his, his gratitude was, was also evidence of his love for them. He was thankful, first and foremost, to God, but then also for their obedience and their love for him. So it is a great example for us. Just in this one verse that, that Paul's focus wasn't simply on his lack. Oh, great, my needs are met. But his gratitude was, was grounded in what was good for the Philippians. And, and, and gratitude, quite honestly, brothers and sisters, is a, is a quality that each one of us should possess. First of all, we should be grateful for the salvation that we've received through our faith in Jesus Christ. We, we should be grateful for God's ongoing provision in our lives. More on that later. We, we should be grateful for God's promises and his commands for our well-being. And, and finally, we must realize that our gratitude is something that will increase as our contentment in Christ grows. Gratitude, it, 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 it's, a, it's a key quality of our lives, especially in this day of negativity. In fact, our gratitude should set us apart from the world. What, what is the common tone of public discourse today? People are fighting, right? They're, they're arguing. If you don't agree with me on, on these things then you are evil, you are worthless, you're stupid, you're an idiot. I just summed up our political arguments in one sentence. 
how much more would our testimony shine brightly if, if instead of joining in, not just on that, but, but let's be honest, I'm predisposed to complain. How, how much different would the flavor of our lives be if we were intentional in expressing our gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Because get this, even as we face trials, even as life gets hard, and we know it does, it's often hard more times than it's not. Even in the midst of trials, we can express gratitude for the opportunity to glorify God in our difficult situations. Right? Every trial is an opportunity to reflect to God and to those that know us of the value of Christ in our lives. It doesn't mean that we don't address hard issues. If there is, if there is sin or there is problem in the church, then those things need to be talked about and addressed. But that does not mean that we do not do those things first with a sense of the blessings and work of God in our lives. Do, do we start our days thinking about the things that we should give thanks for? If not, why not? We have much more to be grateful for than we do to complain about, brothers and sisters. And if our lives are, are marked by a lack of gratitude, quite honestly, it, it reveals that our faith is not resting in Christ, but is resting in our circumstances. May God help us to become a, a, a people that is known for our gratitude. But, but gratitude isn't the only quality that we see on display in this passage. In verses 11 through 13, we see contentment as being a, a key focus of the Apostle Paul. He continues, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this is a great section of Philippians. We see from the Apostle Paul's own testimony that our contentment in Christ is the key to remaining faithful. Now, let, let, let's look at some context here. Verse 11, that word content means to be satisfied or, or, or to feel sufficient in a situation. So, so Paul says, even in, in times of need, Paul never saw himself as lacking. Let that sink in, right? Paul imprisoned. Paul shipwrecked. Paul beaten. Paul rejected by his people. Paul chased around in his missionary journeys by people who were trying to undo the gospel work he was doing everywhere he went. But Paul never saw himself as lacking. That's powerful. And I think it reveals something about our salvation. It reveals that, that true satisfaction can never be based, true fulfillment can never be based on the circumstances of our lives. It has to be grounded in something 
greater. Take that back to what we've learned throughout Philippians. Paul is all about his union with Christ. He is all about that day when his faith becomes sight and he is, his faith is, is consummated with him being in the presence of God forevermore. We need something stronger to stand on than our circumstances, brothers and sisters. We have to have a different view of faithfulness in this life than what we see being spoon-fed to us through, through, through Christian talking heads, but also through the message of the world. Our faith has to be something that is more substantial than, than simply your best life now. I know that's the low-hanging fruit. Paul says, listen, I, I, I know in verse 12 what it means to be brought low. That literally means to live in humble circumstances or to be humbled. He says, I know what it means to abound. That means to have more than enough. In both situations, he is dependent on Christ. His his writing about contentment is, is that it's not dependent on his circumstances, but it's fully grounded in the character of God. The secret, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now I can riff for the next two hours on how this verse is, is misused and misapplied and misunderstood in the church, and I'm going to go there. Not for two hours, I promise. But David Schrock writes a, a, a nice article. It just came in my, providentially, through my email this week. He writes for Nine Marks. That's a ministry that has been very influential in, in New Hope's growth and development over the years. But he writes an article about the danger of a soft prosperity gospel. Now, we, 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 we would all agree that, that, that a gospel that, that, that simply promises everything that we want or need in this life without directing us to the, the, the sacrifice and the, and the purpose of the gospel. is It's a false gospel. You, you cannot read Paul's testimony and come away from it with the idea that God's plan for our lives is that we never have any trouble, we always are rich, and that life is great. It's simply not, that doesn't line up. We, we would reject that outright. But, but in this article... Uh, Schrock warns uh, against a different type of false gospel. And, and it's a gospel that is focused primarily on middle class problems. We, we need to be on guard against a, a message that, 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 that promises positive and encouraging, to, to borrow from a radio station. Not that the gospel is not positive or encouraging or that... Things like financial stability are important, but those are not primary issues to the gospel. Those are stewardship issues, secondary issues. But we have this therapeutic view of the faith where the church comes in, they warm the seats, pay their nickels and noses and show up for church, and they get a nice little message on how to make their lives better while ignoring the greatness and the character of God. We, we need to be on guard against any message that would lead us 
to find satisfaction outside of Christ alone. Now I mentioned before that this verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, is, is one of the most hijacked verses in the Bible. But it is clear from the context, I'm going to make it really short, really simple, that the all things that Paul is referring to is all circumstances in life. Right? I have learned the, the secret of, uh, of, of lacking and abounding. Having plenty or lacking. I can do all things. I can handle every situation through him who gives me strength. Doesn't mean that I can climb Mount Everest because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Can't do it. Probably couldn't walk to the bus to take me to the base of the mountain. We can be faithful no matter what our current circumstances be, can be through him who gives us strength. And listen, that makes the promise that much greater. It is not dependent on the size of your bank account. It is not dependent on that trial that is looming before you. It is not dependent on that wayward child. It, it, it is coming back. It is not dependent on any of those things. You can be faithful through the one who died and rose again to reconcile you to God. Whether those things get better or worse. What a great promise from God's word. Paul understood that his union with Jesus was what enabled him to remain faithful in every circumstance. And the same is true for us. And honestly, the idea of facing life and ministry apart from his relationship with the Lord is, is inconceivable to Paul. You cannot find anywhere in his writings where he would want to do it on his own. Unfortunately, brothers and sisters, this is not often the case with us. Do you think about your life in terms of without Jesus, I have no hope? Is God enough in every circumstance of your life? Again, contentment should be a quality that each one of us possesses. But honestly, we lack it because we undervalue our relationship with him. And we must remember that contentment and comfort are not the same thing. We have not been promised an easy life. But we have been promised a way that we can be content in every circumstance of life. Through Christ who gives us strength. And we will never be content, brothers and sisters, until we come to understand that no matter what the circumstance, God is indeed enough. Paul, throughout the letter, has called us to follow his, his example, and he calls us yet again to follow his example of finding contentment in Christ alone. J.I. Packer, there is a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. When you truly know God, you have energy to serve Him, boldness to share Him, and contentment in Him. 
We want our knowledge of God to be a life-changing knowledge, a relational knowledge. Not facts and, and figures, but as we read his word, we recognize that we are hearing from the God who saved us. Contentment is also the, the antidote for covetousness, covetousness that, that desire to want more and more. John MacArthur, the antidote for covetousness is contentment. The two are in opposition, whereas the covetous, greedy person worships himself, the contented person worships God. Contentment comes from trusting God. Are you content in him this morning, brothers and sisters? Finally, quickly, generosity, this last quality that we see displayed here in Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To, God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now we see from this section that Paul isn't the only good example in this section of Philippians. The Philippians themselves are an example of generosity. Their financial support was a reflection of their love for Paul and his ministry and bringing the gospel to them. In verses 14 through 16, we see that, 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 Paul, that they shared Paul's trouble. They were so concerned about his condition when he left Philippi and went on to Thessalonica to, to, to preach the gospel there. They, they were in anguish to, to, to realize that Paul might be going through any trouble at all. And they were willing to give whatever was needed to support him in his efforts. And then we see now that he's in prison, that, that they've renewed that concern. Wait, Paul's in jail? Quick, let, 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 let's send him a gift. Let, let, let's meet his needs while he's not able to, to do all that he wants or is able to do in ministry. So, so, so their gift showed how much he meant to them. But it also showed how much they loved God. It was a form of worship. That's how Paul describes it in verse 18 where he calls it a, a, a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, what's one of the knocks on the Christian church today? We're all about what? Money, right? Give the offering. Give, give to the Gideon. Sort missionaries. Pay your pastor. Do all these things. And, and, and again, there. It's challenging, right? Do we really need that? Should we do this? But under God, what we are called to is, is to prayerfully consider the needs that are placed before us and seek to, to meet those needs, not out of compulsion, not out of a sense of, 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 of primarily a duty, but as an act of worship. 
before the Lord. Now I've time and again affirmed this church's generosity and your willingness to rise to, to meet the needs that we become aware of around us. And, and, and I would say to that now, to, to, to excel in that even more as these opportunities to arrive. Yes, because we love others and we want to care for them, but also because we love God and, and because God has been generous to us. He, he gave His Son to redeem us. Let, let us reflect that same love as we seek to meet the needs of others. We, we want to worship Him well in our generosity. And Paul points out, listen, in verse 17, as their generosity was benefited Paul, Paul was even more concerned on, on how their generosity would benefit them eternally. Paul says, I, I don't, I'm not primarily focused on the gift that you've given. I'm, I'm looking for the benefit that, that comes to you. Their support of Paul allowed Paul to do what needed to be done to, to spread the gospel. Even in his captivity. Paul says, listen, everything that happens as a result of my ministry, you Philippians, you've got a stake in. You've supported this. You've funded this. And that is a beautiful way to think about missions, is it not? That, that, that's a beautiful way to think about ministries like the Gideons, is it not? You may never know in this life where, how the money that we have used to support missionaries and ministries are being used eternally for the glory of God. And we must learn to think about our offering in that way. Give, God tells us to. So that's always a good reason. But do we give expectantly? You know, God might use this check to this person or, or to the church in this way. In some way I may never know about till I see him face to face for his eternal purposes. When we think that way, we begin to, to prioritize our giving. It doesn't become an afterthought, but it becomes something that we prayerfully consider as we sit down and we do our budgets and we write our checks and, and all those things. Lord, as I, as, as I write this, church, this check for, for this missionary or, or, or for my tithe or offering to the church, I, I want to do so with an attitude that says, Lord, use this however you want for your glory. Try that. <laughs> oh, y'all say, I'm, that, 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 that's easy for you to say. We, 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 we take good care of you, and, and you do. <laughs> but consider the example of the Philippians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is, is writing about those who supported him when he, went to, when he went to Thessalonica. He refers to the churches in Macedonia. That's Philippi and, and a couple of others. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul points out that the churches that supported him in Thessalonica did not give because they were wealthy, but they gave out of their need, out of their poverty. They were, they were poor 
But, but they believed so much in, in, in the ministry of the gospel and what Paul had, had been called to that they had no problem in giving sacrificially even though they had so little. What, what a convicting example. Their, their, their giving was, was sacrificial. It wasn't from the overflow, but from the sense of need. And, and to do that, they had to deny themselves in order to support Paul financially. Their, their generosity certainly was inconvenient, right? When, when you don't have much to give or a situation that, you, that arises that you don't expect, it, it becomes inconvenient in the sense that, wait a minute, that means I, I've, got to, I've got to prioritize, I've got to make changes here. But the Philippians gave based on Paul's needs rather than what suited their own interests. Verse 19 is another one of those abused passages. Again, rather than a two-hour riff, you get a sentence. Paul writes, And my God will supply every needs of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, is Paul saying there that God is going to give you everything that you want? No. What does he say? I will supply your every, or he will supply your every need. The struggle for us in this life is to allow what we define as a need to, to, to come under what God says is a need. Because we tend to, 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 to lump our needs under what really is our want category, do we not? But Paul says, listen, you have honored God in the heart behind your giving, in the generosity of your giving, and I know that God's got your back. And he does, does he not? We, we could take time and go around the room and, and share how God has met us in our time of need. Can we not? Absolutely. So generosity, brothers and sisters, is not based on our abundance or our need, but it is based on our heart and in, in our love for God. Because generosity reflects the heart of God. God is the one who paid the ultimate price to redeem us. Generosity reveals our love for God, and it prioritizes his purpose, purposes. And generosity reveals our love for others. These are three essential qualities, brothers and sisters. Gratitude, are we grateful? Contentment, are we content? Generosity, are we generous with our money? Are we generous with our time? Are we generous in our efforts to, to, to serve one another? That really is the question, is it not? And how we answer those questions truly real, reveals much about our understanding and our value of our Lord. And again, that's not a, a, a statement to, to heap on guilt or, 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 or to manipulate. That's not my goal. Hopefully you know well enough by now that, that, that my goal is to see your joy made full in Christ. And that joy is fulfilled as we behold God as he has revealed himself in his word and we respond appropriately. So may God... Help us 
to grow in our gratitude and our contentment and our generosity for the glory of his name, for the spread of his gospel, and for the growth of the church. Let us pray together.